Today's podcast features an article from Discern Magazine. Most people don't look at babies and think of them as sinners deserving punishment. But a doctrine held by the world's largest Christian denomination and other denominations teaches that babies are born with sin, born with sin on their record. This is known as the doctrine of original sin. In this episode of the Discern podcast, we're going to take a closer look at this doctrine. What does it actually claim? And we'll ask, is it true? Does the Bible teach that babies inherit sin from the moment they are born? Or does the Bible, in fact, teach something very different? Let's first take a look at this doctrine of original sin and the doctrine that goes right along with it called the fall of man. Though the idea can be traced back to multiple early Catholic writers, the theologian who did the most to develop the teaching was Augustine of Hippo. Augustine converted to Christianity from paganism about 300 years after the New Testament era, the era of Jesus Christ and the book of Acts. The doctrine goes back to the story of Adam and Eve found in Genesis 3, a story that many people know about. The interpretation is that when Adam chose to eat the forbidden fruit at the urging of his wife, his nature changed, his nature fundamentally transformed, that after Adam's sin, his human nature became inherently twisted and corrupt, degenerate. But this change in Adam's nature didn't just apply to Adam according to this doctrine. According to Augustine and others, Adam's sin resulted in the fall from grace of all human beings that came after him. This is what is called the fall of man. It wasn't just the fall of Adam into sin. It was the fall of Adam into sin and then the corrupting of his human nature, which became like a genetic defect Then all his progeny inherited by the merit of being born as a descendant of Adam. So according to this doctrine, all of us inherit not only Adam's nature, but the guilt of Adam's sin when we're born. Again, this view sees sin like a disease that's transmitted from parent to child automatically. Adam's fall was not just his fall, but the fall of the entire human race. Adam's sin, or the original sin, is seen as like a stain on the soul. That's often the, the phrase that's used, a stain on the soul, and every human being is born with that stain on their soul from Adam. This is why many of the largest denominations of Christianity practice something called infant baptism, where they baptize babies shortly after they're born. The idea is that by baptizing the baby shortly after their birth, the baptism takes care of the original sin. That's why it's so important in some faiths for a baby to be baptized as soon as possible to get that original sin off their record because in case they die prematurely, they would then be consigned to hell because of Adam's sin on their record. Infant baptism is said to take care of original sin. But is this doctrine true? Does the Bible actually say that Adam's sin has been passed down to all of us by merit of being born as the progeny, the offspring, a descendant of Adam? Were you born with Adam's sin, the original sin, on your spiritual record? Is this idea rooted in the Bible, God's inspired word, or the ideas of men? First, the phrase original sin is found nowhere in the Bible. It was coined years after the Bible was completed. 
Though Adam's choice in Genesis 3 was certainly a sin, no doubt about it, nowhere does the Genesis account say anything about Adam's children inheriting his sin. In fact, the first time sin appears in the Bible is in Genesis 4, where it talks about God warning Cain that sin lies at the door because of his anger and his jealousy toward his brother. So the first time the word sin is actually used, it's something that Adam's offspring is inching closer to. Again, not something he was born with. Certainly, Adam's sin had consequences, no doubt about it. Adam's sin set mankind on a dangerous path, and sin resulted in mankind being cut off, we could say, from access to and a relationship with God. Let's read that in Genesis 3, verses 22 through 23. Here's what the Genesis account says about the consequence of Adam's sin. Quote, Behold, the man has become like one of us, this is God speaking, to know good and evil. So now Adam knew good and evil because he had experienced evil. He had experienced good, but now he had added evil to that, and he knew it at a deep level. And now, lest he put out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore... The Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. End of quote. So Adam was taken out of the garden, which represented God's presence, which represented direct guidance and blessings and instruction and a relationship with God. And Adam no longer had that relationship with God because he had cut himself off because of his choice to sin. And thus God removed him from that special relationship, from that direct contact from the Garden of Eden. So we see, because sin and death entered the human realm, that Adam and his family disconnected themselves from God. They could no longer enjoy the blessings of that perfect environment, that perfect life, within the grace of God, within the blessings of God. God taking care of everything, communicating with them directly, they had cut themselves off from that. And they also cut themselves off from the access and the opportunity at that point to live forever. The consequence of Adam's sin and his choice had an enormous effect on the history of his offspring, no doubt about it. But that effect wasn't inheriting sin as some kind of genetic birth defect. The consequence of Adam's sin was setting mankind on a path that all would follow. The book of Proverbs put it this way in Proverbs 1, verses 29 through 31. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way. That's talking about humanity in general. And be filled to the full with their own fancies. So Adam and his descendants' choice to reject God resulted in God cutting them off and them having to experience the fruit of their own way. No longer blessed in everything by God, they would now experience the suffering, the trials, the hardships that came with integrating sin into their lives. Let's take a deeper look now at what the Bible teaches about sin. Does it actually teach that sin is, is like a genetic defect? that is transferred to every child when they're born because their descendants go back to Adam? Look at John 3, verse 4. It's probably the most important scripture in the Bible, defining sin. It's the perfect definition of sin. John 3, verse 4 reads, Whoever commits sin 
also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. The King James says, sin is the transgression of the law. But the point we want to emphasize here is that word commits. Sin is something you do. Sin is something personal. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. It doesn't say someone is born with a sin already on their record. Sin comes upon one's record when they commit sin. When we look at the Bible's teaching on sin, we see clearly that God always regards sin as a personal matter. Sin is always imputed as a consequence of each individual's choice to personally break the law of God. Now, that's not to say that sin doesn't have consequences that affect people who didn't commit the sin. That certainly is true. Sins have consequences that can horribly impact the people who aren't responsible for them. That's consequence. But those people do not experience the guilt of those sins, merely the consequences. In the time of the prophet Ezekiel, there was actually a common belief that children somehow inherited the sins of their ancestors or their parents. This was expressed in a proverb that Ezekiel quoted in Ezekiel 18 verse 2, which said, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. This saying was so off base that God actually gave a detailed rebuttal of this idea, which is essentially the idea of original sin. The fathers have sinned, and the kids inherit that sin. This is what God said about it in Ezekiel 18 verses 20 and 30. God said, the soul who sins shall die. The soul who sins, not the soul that's a descendant of one who sinned. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Therefore, God says, Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, each one according to his ways. The message is clear. God holds each individual accountable for his or her own personal sins. He doesn't hold us spiritually accountable. He doesn't hold us spiritually guilty for the sins of people that came before us. He holds us responsible for our sins. Well, of course, sin's consequences, as we, as we have already seen, affect future generations. God doesn't hold future generations personally guilty for sins they have not committed. Jesus clearly said in John 8 verse 34 that whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. We don't become a slave of sin by just the merit of being born. We become a slave of sin when we commit sin and make it a way of life which all of us have done. Now, there is one scripture that proponents of the original sin doctrine often use to defend their position, and that's found in Romans 5 verse 12. So let's take a look now at that scripture. Romans 5 verse 12 begins like this. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. So they take this scripture and say, okay, sin entered the world through Adam, and death as a consequence of sin, and then that consequence of that sin spread to all men. Therefore, there's the doctrine of original sin. But that's an incorrect reading because it doesn't take into account the last three words of the verse that I didn't read. Let me read the verse again, including the last three words. 
Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Let's emphasize that again. Death spread to all men, because all sinned. When Adam, who was the one man, chose to sin, sin entered the human realm. This verse calls that the world. And sin's presence in the human realm resulted in the penalty of death. Romans 6 verse 23. Death, as the consequence of sin, then spread to all men. Why? Not because of them just being born, the progeny of a sinner. No, because they all sinned themselves. We've all followed that same basic path that Adam began. All of us have followed Adam's example and sinned. Therefore, we have all earned the same penalty he did. Paul wrote this in Romans 3 verse 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of the glory of God because we have all personally sinned. No, you were not born with the stain of Adam's sin on your soul or conscience. But we were born into a world that has followed the same basic path that Adam chose in the Garden of Eden. A world that chooses to live its own way apart from God. A world that embraces sin in so many different forms and that continues to be under the sway of that deceptive serpent, Satan the devil. That deceptive serpent who was in the Garden of Eden and who continues to deceive the whole world today. But the good news, my friends, is that we can choose to come out of this world by repenting of our sins and being forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Taking that step can lead you off the wide, sinful path blazed by Adam and onto the narrow, righteous path blazed by Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. For more information from today's featured article, visit lifehopeandtruth.com.